from the book of Samuel. And it's 1 Samuel chapter 8. And the words will be on the screen, so follow along. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done, from the day I brought them up out of Egypt even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plough his ground and reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, No. Sorry, just getting lost. And they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And then and when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning everyone. My name is John and I'm part of the team here and it's my privilege to open God's word with us this morning as we look at that passage where God's people are asking Samuel to appoint a king, a king like the other nations have. 
a king that they're hoping will fight their battles and make life okay for them. Now, at this time of the year, I'm presuming that many of us are thinking more and more of Christmas. It is only 15 days away, friends. 15 days. And I am sure that all of us are working hard at getting everything done that needs to get done so that Christmas Day can be enjoyable and relaxing at least as much as it possibly can be. Some of us are going to have visitors that are going to come up from other places so we're busy getting the yard and the house looking spick and span. Others of us that are still in the marketplace have deadlines that we need to meet We want them finished so that we can enjoy Christmas. Some of us are buying presents. There are menus to be put together. There are activities for the kids to be um, entertained by. So we're all busy. And I don't remind us of this to raise our stress level knowing that it's only 15 days to Christmas. What I want us to do this morning, friends, is I want us to, to prepare our hearts for what Christmas is all about. If you were asked to explain your Christian faith to a friend, a work colleague, how would you answer that? If you were asked to explain your Christian faith, some of us would say, my Christian faith is based on belief, based on doctrines. Doctrines are just formulated explanations of biblical truth. Truth about us, truth about our creator God. Doctrines, beliefs. And that would not be a wrong answer because that's what our Christian faith is. But it's more than that. Our Christian faith is more than just our beliefs. Our Christian faith is about a relationship with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. And our relationship with God through Jesus is a story. It is a progressive story. And you and I, we're all living a progressive story. There was a time when you were conceived and then about nine months later you were born. And that story will continue And we're living in this very short little time known as our story on planet Earth. And we know that the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is coming. Theologians talk about the kingdom of God as being already here but not yet. In Christ we're already new creations. As Christians, as Christ followers, we're already in the new kingdom. But it's not fully here yet. There's this this yearning for Christ's return when everything will be made right. When then we will all be fully okay. But today the reality is many of us are not fully okay. And like the Israelites in Samuel's day, we say we want a king. A king who will make everything okay. So understanding, friends, that our 
our journey in life is a progressive story, a relationship with God through his son Jesus, that's what will help us prepare for Christmas in 15 days' time. Now last Sunday, we finished a sermon series that took us through the Old Testament book of Judges. Now that was only the book that we've just gone out of and now we're in 1 Samuel looking at this chapter 8, the next part of this, this progressive story of God's people through the beginning of time, from the beginning of time. And in this book of Judges, we saw the, re- the repeated failure of God's people as they, they repeated this refrain. Have a look at the screen where we kept reading this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Israel is the term of God's people. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And as the story continues, as we were looking at that, we saw in the book of Judges, and now we see again in 1 Samuel 8, that God's People, instead of returning to him and staying with him and letting him be the king, the king to guarantee and to ensure their okayness, here they are now asking for a king, like all of the other nations of God. They looked around and they saw these, these kings who seemed to be able to provide for their nation security. They organised the armies. They fought the battles. So they wanted a king as well, a king like their nation brothers and sisters had. So they go to Samuel. Samuel had been their leader for many, many years. God's people had a, had a voice of God through Samuel, but he was getting old. And the story is told that he appointed a couple of his boys to take over from him, to lead God's people. But Samuel's two sons weren't men of integrity like Samuel was. We read that they took bribes and they perverted justice, which is what happens when people receive power. You've heard the saying that power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And all three judges have seen this and now it's happened again. So the people come back to Samuel saying, we're not happy with the appointed leader, your sons. We're not happy. They complained, they demanded that a king be appointed to rule them as they saw the other nations have. And then Samuel warned them against this. He would have said, don't you remember what happened to our forebears? All three judges. When they turned from God, they started looking at themselves and power corrupts and things went bad. But no, they wanted a king. So Samuel goes to God and he tells God and God says to Samuel, Samuel, they're not turning their back on you, they're turning their back on me. Give them what they ask for. So they get a king. Their first king is Saul. Saul was a good starter. He started by leading God's people and judged them. But then Saul allowed his power 
to turn to himself and he started serving himself and things go bad. And those of us that know the story, we know that then comes King David, a man whose heart was after God. Yes, he too started well, but his heart derailed his rule and he too abused his office. And then there was Solomon. Solomon, the Bible says, was the wisest man that ever lived. And he started off leading well, but he too went bad. The story of the Christian faith is one of disappointment with when confidence is put in human rule instead of God's rule. And this is what we saw each week in the Judges series. When we ignore God, we do what is right in our own eyes and it never ends well. And here in 1 Samuel chapter 8, God's people said they wanted a a human king to rule them and to protect them. But the idea of a king never eventuates into the ideal that they say that they want. Yet the story of our Christian faith, of our journey, of your journey, my journey, shows that we keep asking for that, that that king to make everything okay for us. We're searching for that. It's true. There's this ongoing yearning in our hearts for a perfect king, one who will meet all of our needs. What Israel asked Samuel for is what we are still asking for. We want a perfect king. We want a good king. That's the story of 1 Samuel 8. And like they did, we too want a good king. A king who is in charge of everything. And that is the story of the Christian faith. We all yearn for this kind of person to be in charge of our lives. We, we, we want that because the future is unsure. We want assurance that the future is okay. And we're not wrong in wanting this. This past week, Ben and I went to Jana Botha. Jana is the wife of Henny, one of our church family. Cartoons over the road, them. Jana has just heard that her mum has early stages of a very aggressive, serious leukaemia. Jana wants to know her mum's going to be okay. Jenny King is a lady from our church who's been wrestling with cancer for a number of years. She is in the final few weeks of her earthly scratch life because of the progression of this evil disease in her. She wants to know that she's going to be okay. They want to know that the future is okay. We want to know that the future is okay. We want want assurance. We want someone to make sure that all will be good and fix whatever goes wrong. We want the future to be okay. And it drives us in many different ways, hoping to find the perfect um, source of our future okayness. We all want to be okay. Lonely people want a companion. They they, they want a spouse. They, They want someone 
to love them and they want to be able to love someone, then I'll be okay. People who are struggling financially, oh, if I could just win Tet's lotto or if, if I could just get an inheritance, then I will be okay. Those stuck in tedious jobs or in no job at all, if, if I could just get that perfect job that, that fits me, then I will be okay. Friends, we all have this internal yearning for okayness. It is so deep in us. It is so deep. It drives us. And where it drives us is what we must face. In Samuel's day, Israel looked to the other nations and they saw that they had appointed human kings to provide their okayness. It looked good. We want that. Samuel, we want that. Where is your search for okayness steering you? Friends, such an important question. Many of you know, I'm not going to be melodramatic about this, but many of you know that this year has been a terrible year for me physically and, and um, yeah, mentally too, and, and just not well. I wanted to know I was going to be okay. We want to know we're going to be okay, don't we? And until we find our True okayness, our search and yearning does not go away. Why is it that people who claim to love God, people like us, why is it we so easily go in the wrong direction in search of okayness? Why do we, why do we trade God's gift of okayness for the world's measure of okayness? Israel's first king was Saul. He was tall, he was good looking. Look what it says about him in the, in the Bible, 1 Samuel 9. Just after 1 Samuel 8, well, we want a king. And then we read this, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. Benjamin is the tribe of Israel. The son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Becherath, son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the other people. And the people of God thought, let's, let's have him as our king because he looks the part. Then we'll be okay. Saul became their king. He really did look the part. And he started strong. And that produced confidence in the people. It girded them. It gave them hope that they would be okay. That their future would be okay. But if you've read the story, we know that it wasn't okay. So they kept searching. They kept longing for a good, perfect king. And the story of our Christian faith is very often that same search. We, we're looking. The story of the search, the longing for a good, perfect king is the story of the Christian faith. That's reality. And the story of our search and yearning for a perfect king comes to fulfilment every Christmas time. 
every Christmas time. Our search for true okayness is found in the gift of Jesus. Yet so many good-hearted people who claim to be Christ followers still search for their okayness in false gods, in false kings. As God's people, as God's people, we have hope and eternal security. And it is given to us. It is a gift. Friends, this life that you and I live today on planet Earth is only a scratch on the line of eternity. Our security, our eternity is in Jesus because nothing else, nothing else will give you your okayness than the, than the knowledge, the knowing that we, that we belong to God through Christ. Our okayness is found in Jesus. The story of our Christian faith tells us that we have an identity. We have a place. We have a position. Understand that. We have an identity, a position. We have been claimed. We are owned. We have been bought. We belong to God. We are his people. And as his people, we have a function. We have a role. We have a responsibility. We are his witnesses, influencers, His hands and feet. One lady who demonstrates this so powerfully is this lady, Johnny Erickson Tada. She's just a bit older than I am. In 1967, she was 17. And she dived into a pool and she hit the bottom. She became a quadriplegic. This lady has a worldwide influence through her ministry and it is based on her testimony that her okayness is found in Jesus Christ. She has this assurance, friends, that you and I can have. What allows people like her to to claim that truth? What, What allows people like Johnny to to live that truth. It's their faith. It is their faith. Where does your need for okayness lead you? In 15 days time, this world stops to remember the birth of the Christmas child. Oh, most people don't realise the impact of that birth. This event that divided our calendar between BC, AD. This event that has given countless millions a contented okayness that you cannot explain, but you can experience. When Israel asked Samuel for a king like the other nations had, they were rejecting their identity as God's holy nation. They had been led out of 
slavery in Egypt, all of those years earlier, God had led them to their promised land and, and he had said, now make a difference, be my influences. They weren't his influences. They became influenced. They rejected the call that God had on their life. They wanted to be just like all of the other nations. And when we read the ongoing story of our Christian faith, we see it doesn't end well when we go that way. Tim Chester is a renowned theologian and a gifted preacher and he says about God's people, they, Israel, they were supposed to be a nation whose behaviour was governed by God's ruling word. But instead their behaviour is governed by what other people do. They were supposed to be different. Distinct and holy, but instead they want to be the same, to conform, to fit in. And he says, they were supposed to be a light to the nations, revealing the rightness of God's rule. But instead of the nations learning from Israel, Israel learns from the nations. Israel's internal yearning for okayness led them to reject God's claim on their lives. So back to my earlier question. As you prepare for Christmas, where is your search for okayness steering you, friends? You know what God said to his people back then, in Old Testament days, to Israel, his people, he says to us today in the New Testament too, have a look at the screen. In 1 Peter 2 we read, But you, you, who are owned by Jesus, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, we receive that mercy because Jesus came from heaven, which we remember every Christmas time. This tells us where we receive our okayness. When my cardiologist says to me, how are you doing, John? I said, I'm doing fine. Yeah, really? He says, yep. I said, do you know the hymn, It Is Okay With My Soul? Yes, he's not a Christian. I said, I believe that. Yes, that's amazing. Just keep doing what you're doing, John. That's code for saying, enjoy the time you've got left. Because if I was going to put my faith in the medicine that could give me a prolonged life, I don't know whether it would deliver but I know whose I belong to. And no one can argue with that. No one can take that away from me. That is a gift that is given free to all of which we are reminded every year at Christmas. Being his gives us our okayness. And as his, he tells us that we are to be a light and a witness and an influence to those who do not know the grace of God through Jesus yet.
So check where your search for okayness is steering you, friends. Because any other king, any other standard, any other cultural fad cannot give you value, meaning and purpose and okayness. Samuel told Israel, any king other than God would not just disappoint but would lead them into bondage. When people lose hope, when they receive that phone call from the doctor, we can do no more for you, and they go into despair. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen that hopelessness? When I meet people like that, I say, oh, come on. Look up, look up. This scratch life. None of us are going to make it right to the end of it. God is going to come back and make all things right. God created us in his image, we read in Genesis 1. His imprint he puts in our hearts. Everyone has a heart's desire to be okay, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied. God created us to fill our heart's need for okayness. That desire is good. It's why we have free will. Free will to seek and desire okayness. Okayness is a need that we have. It is a God-given need. So, again, back to the question, where is your yearning for a better okayness leading you? Every Christmas, we're reminded where our okayness is truly found. It is found in the true king who came from heaven in the form of a baby boy. Every shopping centre on the planet that we're living on will capitalise on this annual reminder as people hungry for okayness will buy presents and they will buy decorations and they will buy whatever they need to buy to think that that will just make it all perfect. But despite the hype and the busyness of this time of year. Christmas is so important for us to celebrate and to remember. So, as you do prepare for Christmas over the next 15 days, reflect on where you look for, for your okayness. Reflect on whose you are Reflect on what it cost him for you to be forgiven, heaven bound for all of eternity. I want to lead us in prayer. I want to pray that God, every heart here would truly ask that question, where am I looking for my okayness? Because if it's not in you, Jesus, the okayness is fleeting. If it's not in you, there is just disappointment ahead of them. So by your Spirit, Father, continue to work in us to reveal yourself. Let us, let us experience that peace that passes all understanding when we fully surrender our lives to you.
when you by your spirit take over the driver's seat of our heart and those times that we feel fearful, when we doubt, when we need to, to know it is okay, that we come back to you and say, yes, in you I find my peace. In you I find my okayness. So God, to you goes all the glory. Thank you for this time that we have every year to prepare for Christmas. And I pray that we will all come into this wonderful day of remembering that you came from heaven to complete the work of our salvation. So God, to you goes all the glory forever and ever. Amen. In front of us, you see the white table. Can I ask my helpers if you would come and prepare? Because in a few moments, church, I'm going to invite you to share with the rest of us the elements remembering what Jesus did for us.